Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trollco here, and this is the Sons of UCF Live. No doubt about it says Coach Malzahn. Got a couple of real guys here. Hello, Adam. Hello, Mike. Greetings, Trace. Uh, pumped up. This is uh, this is it. Everybody out there, I'm sure we had this scheduled. UCF Tulane for the conference. I know we all had this back in August, so the time is finally here. Can't wait, Trace. It's going to be a big game, Mike. I know you're excited, too. Yeah, I always get excited, especially for these big ones. And this is the biggest game we've played in a while now. The last couple of seasons in November, the season's kind of been out of our control. Here we are. Destiny's still on our hands, on the road for a big top 25 matchup. Of course, that's set up by the fact that UCF went on the road, won at Memphis, beat the Tigers 35-28, just the second win in the Coach Gus Malzahn era on the road in AAC play. And Mikey Keene uh, proved that he could uh, not only come off the bench and win at against Cincinnati, but get the start and win on the road at Memphis. Yeah, look, I personally, I needed to see this because we have not seen UCF go on the road and 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 beat a team uh, in conference in a long while. Obviously, we saw what happened against ECU, so I needed to see us do this. I needed proof that we could go on the road and put together a good performance and win the game. It wasn't always pretty. There were certainly some things that that I think we need to clean up, but the fact that we come out on the road, and look, Gus says this in his press conference afterwards. He says it in the locker room. It sounds cliche, but it is tough to win on the road in college football. And the fact that we went into Memphis, which wasn't a really a raucous crowd, but is a probably a better team than their record would indicate. And then we came out with a win. I needed to see this. And we, we, we pulled it out. It wasn't perfect, but it's enough for us to get by. And so I'm, I'm glad at the result. And I'm, um, I'm hopeful for next week or this week, rather. We'll see what happens. But I needed to see us be able to, to pull out a win on the road. Hey, coming off that performance at East Carolina, the last two games, especially in the fourth quarter of those games, coming down to crunch time, the team has performed. Mikey Keene has led them on these touchdown drives. They're looking good and expect another big week this week. 
And then hopefully we get a couple of cupcakes at the end of the year. Of course, it's helped that they've been balanced, the emergence of R.J. Harvey. Uh, he has been lights out the last couple of weeks. A good one-two punch with him and Isaiah Bowser. Um, Adam, more concern going into Tulane on offense or defense? Knights continue to bend, not break, but uh, they don't get off the field on third down a lot either. Yeah, defense for me, largely because, Trace, I don't know if we know updates on injuries. I know Jeremiah John-Baptiste uh, went out with what I presume was a head injury. I don't think it was ever really diagnosed. It's day by declared. day. It's day, day by day. day. Um, Quadric Buller did not look like he's going to be playing again the yeah. rest of the season. Um, you know, I, I think Devad Wilson, I think he's okay based on what, what I read this week. So I need to understand the, uh, the injury front there, but Tulane has a ton of speed. I mean, they have a ton of speed on the outside. They definitely want to stretch the defense. We have not played fantastic defensively on the road. Um, so our offense has figured it out. I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned defensive, uh, defensively and, and what we can do to, to scheme up. Uh, Tajay Spears is giving me nightmares already. It's only Thursday and I'm already losing sleep over that guy. So I'm more concerned defensively than offensively. One thing you gotta like about the defense last week, they created a couple turnovers. We got two, maybe they can start a pattern here that they struggled early in the year, getting the ball turned over. Maybe we can start seeing something different here to end the year. Of course, uh, Coach Malzahn's media availability is on Monday. Everything is day by day, so you're not going to get an update. You'll know when everyone else knows when the players uh, take the field on Saturday afternoon in New Orleans. Also, a question, who's going to be the starting quarterback? Uh, you know, that was the question I asked on my Twitter poll. Who will Coach Malzahn go with? Will he ride the hot hand? And uh, folks said, 69% uh, said he'll go with Mikey Keene. Uh, and even if cleared and back, not JRP. Adam, who do you think starts a quarterback? I think it's JRP. I'm going to go on the other side really? of this. I, I think I think Gus has – he declared JRP the starting quarterback. You asked him, Trace, in the press conference in, in, his, in his past coaching life, can people lose their job due to injury? He kind of sidestepped that question. He didn't really answer that. He said kind of situational. I, I think he's going to go back to JRP. I have no inside info on this. I have no idea where Trace just went, by the way. Uh, I have no inside info, Mike, but I think it's I think it's JRP. Wow, that's kind of surprising for me to hear because Mikey Keene, the last six weeks against a tough Cincinnati defense and then on the road against Memphis has looked really good. And I think you're playing with fire if you go back to JRP, who's now hasn't played in two weeks. And we've seen the way the offense has responded to Mikey in there. I would keep Mikey. And I don't know what Gus is doing if he goes back to, to Plumlee. I don't disagree. I think, you know, right now, Mikey's probably the hot hand. But I think I think Gus just has this thing about the way he wants his offense run. I think he he, he thinks that JRP opens up more of the, you know, the sort of the the, the excitement, if you will, some of the the ability to, to do some different things. So, Trace, I, I don't know. I think as much as I... I would personally say Mikey's kind of earned the hot hand element right now. I think Gus goes JRP. That's just my that's just my opinion. Well, he said uh, after the game in Memphis, the answer to my question: There's not going to be a quarterback controversy. Mm, I don't know. He's he's left the door open to that if he in fact goes back to John Rice Plumley. And we're at a point in the season, you know, Mikey said a couple of cupcakes, uh, Navy. That's always a tough game. And then at the Cows, of course, UCF will be their bowl game. But it was tight end Alec Holler who said every game now for them is the AAC championship game. Uh, they control their destiny. Yeah, I mean, it's at this point, now that we're in control of our own destiny, every single game is the American Conference Championship because every single game matters. If you take one game lightly, then that could be the end of the dream. 
He put it on the line right there. I think they're more focused going into this game than certainly they were at ECU. And Coach Malzahn, the staff, the players, they know what's on the line here. Yeah. Look, this this is where you want to be at, though, right? Like each year we talk about every time we do this show, we need this team to lose or this team and this team to win by this many points, right? And we're doing some sort of like convoluted mathematical equation. <laughs> we we have the ability to own our own destiny right now. And and so Alex, exactly right. Like we have the opportunity to go out and win each game. If we just take care of what we have to take care of, we don't have to worry about all that other stuff. But obviously, you know, Tulane is, is a much um, different animal than we've seen thus far so far. Like I said before, we haven't been able to control our destiny the last couple of years. So this is something new for this team. Let's see how they react to it, especially going on the road. But they should have this uh, mentality every game, no matter who we're playing. And yeah, even if it's Navy, the cows at the end of the year, they, they need to take it each game like it's the last game. I think you're right about that, Mike. Let's talk more about the matchup and the Knights going into this game with former UCF quarterback Nick Patty, who is good enough to join us again on Sons of UCF Live. Nick, welcome back. Thanks, fellas. Good to be back. All right. So what do you think, Coach Malzahn? Do you ride the hot hand here in Mikey Keene, or do you mix things up and go back to JRP? Man, tough uh, tough answer there. I think, uh, you know, clearly Mikey's played well enough the, the past two weeks to, to earn, earn a shot. Uh, I look at it full scale of, of kind of, in my opinion, I think that uh, Gus goes back to JRP. And, and, and the only reason I say that is because I think he's more comfortable calling games with JRP taking snaps, um, you know, with, with what he can do for the offense. I don't think that, um, you know, Gus is a great play caller. He's a really innovative mind, both you know, passing and running the football. But I think at the end of the day, he really leans on the run game and what they can do and what um, the guy taking snaps can create in the run game. Uh, Mikey's, really thrown the ball well he has created a ton um through the air but i do think the last couple of weeks as well as he's played you have seen a dynamic of our offense sort of go away and and i don't say that necessarily in all bad ways because you've seen a lot be created through the air but i think um given the opportunity i think gus goes back to jrp because of the way um, he can create through through the run game and um i don't necessarily think that gus wants to throw the ball 30 times a game and I think it comes down, you know, solely to that, what we've been able to create in the run game, whatever, um, you know, with, with Bowser Harvey, you know, it, it's, it's gotten exciting. And I think, you know, you throw JRP back in the mix. I, I and certainly uh, not that you want to create this dynamic, but you have seen Mikey's ability to come off the bench and, and in, in a relief role and, and play well, um, you know, and, and I, I, I think it's a, it's a polar opposite offense with Mikey and JRP, but um I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But I think given the choice, I think he goes back to JRP. All right, Nick, from my untrained eye, it feels like, you know, Kobe Hudson, Javon Baker, uh, Ryan O'Keefe, RJ Harvey have been more involved in the offense, have been more explosive since Mikey has been at the helm. Is, is there something schematically with that, with the way Mikey runs the offense versus JRP? Is that something you think Gus is doing specifically when Mikey is the quarterback versus JRP? For some reason, yeah, and 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 from what I'm able to see, you know, on on TV and watching, you know, where where we watch from, I think that they, when Mikey's back there, they call um, he, he has much more ability to get those guys in one-on-one situations as opposed to um, you know RPOs or just full-out reads or progression types, where it seems like JRP's much more progression types, where 
you saw in Cincinnati, Mikey comes in and they're running comebacks and one-on-ones. They're getting those guys in, in solo situations where they can just be completely athletic like they are and, and win on routes. They can win over the top. They can win on comebacks, you know, et cetera. And um, I think that's where Mikey kind of switches up the play call. But also, you know, to my point earlier, I, I don't think that's where Gus wants to make his living, you know. So um, we have a ton of guys that are completely athletic and can win on the edges. Um but I just think it's a, it's a, it's a, that that's where that they've, they've changed up a little bit where they're just letting those guys win on the outside, which can't, it's hard to argue with, man, because those guys have won and they've shown that they can, they can win in those situations, right. Against good DBs. And, and they're, they're going against a really good secondary this week. So it's hard to argue that maybe this week isn't one in the past game. Tulane's got a really good secondary, but at the same time um, against some better offenses, they've shown some vulnerabilities and I think we can light them up. Um, but at the same token, you know, I know JRP has been shaking the past game, but he's shown that he can get it done too that way. Right. So uh, it's, it's six, one half dozen, the other, it's a tough call. I don't, I don't envy those guys at all this week, but uh, yeah, to answer your question directly, I think that they've gotten those guys in more one-on-one matchups where they can win on, on those routes that aren't, aren't as progression based uh, if you will. If he does go with Plumlee, do you, how long is that leash? I mean, say he comes out, he hasn't played now in a couple of weeks. If he starts off the first couple of drives and we're punting, does he wait to the second half, fourth quarter? If we fall behind, what would you do? Given that situation, I mean, I think that's that's that's, that's extremely situational. Um, but uh, man, I don't know. I I think I know Gus doesn't want to create a, a quarterback controversy, but at, at this token, at this game, I mean, it, I think you give him a half, right? And you give him a half and. You know, you let him, you let him go that way. Ah, <laughs> there it is. There it is. It's an interactive show, Nick. Thank you for participating. <laughs> you, give him a, you give him a half, and I think you let him go. And, and situationally, right, maybe it's not all JRP. Maybe it's not, you know, all on him. I think, you know, you see how the defense responds. You see what the environment in the stadium is like, all that, all that stuff. I mean, I think it's really hard to put a pitch count on something like this. I'm not a fan of doing that. I, I think that sets up for failure in, in the long run, especially got a guy that's coming off an injury that was really hot and he was catching his stride um, in JRP. So it was unfortunate to see him go down the way it was, but then Mikey catches fire, right? And you don't see that coming. So uh, I made a joke, I think, with Trace over text uh, this, this past week that I think we should just put Tommy in there and let him let him start and play the whole game this week and just do away with all the controversy. Yeah, nobody's expecting that move uh, this week. Uh, defense has been bending, not breaking. Uh, great in the red zone. Seemed to let teams move down the field. This is a talented two-lane offense. Now the Knights, maybe a couple of guys, uh, you know, banged up in that game at Memphis. We don't know the extent. What are you seeing on defense? Are you concerned where they are going into this game? Yeah, I think some of the injuries – present a little bit of concern, but I, what, one of the things I've been encouraged about as the season goes on is our linebackers play has gotten a lot better. Um, sideline to sideline, those guys have shown up a little bit, putting a little more pressure on the quarterback. I'd like to see, you know, they're not a huge blitz team, but I'd love to see them fired up this week and, and, and bring some blitz packages, get some pressure on the edge. If nothing else, you know, I, I, I just like to see those guys at the linebacker position continue to play sideline to sideline. Uh, I'm not, I don't know Tulane's scheme too well, you know, in depth, but I know they can, they can spin it and they can, they can throw the ball a little bit around. And, and I think if nothing else, you'd like to see all of our DBs be healthy as most as possible. And, and it'll be, this game will be one and loss on the back end completely. 
our linebackers are playing well enough. They're putting enough pressure on the quarterback that, you know, we can get away with. And, um, yeah, you guys said it earlier. I think the key to this is going to be turnover margin and time of possession. If we can win those two, I, I don't think it'd be a problem because we're, we're dangerous enough on offense. If we can win the time of possession battle and the turnover margin and, and try to get some points on turnovers, I think that's where we win this game. Nick, we have obviously a, a stable of running backs who are really good, right? And, and there's a lot of a lot of touches that folks want, but there's only so many carries out there. Obviously, Bowser, RJ Harvey's emerged, but you see Johnny Richardson sort of lose touches the last couple of weeks. As a coach, what can Gus do to keep all three of those guys engaged? And and, and what do you think goes into the decision on who he's kind of getting out there for for snaps? Yeah, it's hard to tell, and it's a little frustrating at that position. Say the least, and I love Isaiah Bowser, but he, he he gives us a little bit less of a dynamic than some of the other guys that have shown, especially John Richardson. And I mean, I think that one of the things that they did, I want to say, Cincinnati game, um, is they got all those guys on the field at the same time, and they got like jet sweep motion going with with Bowser, where they fake him the sweep, and you know, and I think it was a maybe a quarterback keep, or they had uh, like a smoke screen off of that. And I think that's where you can create some creativity with those guys on the field. I think um, Johnny Richardson in the past game is where I'd love to see him kind of come alive a little bit. I think that they're really creative in the RPO game, but they're not as um, versatile out of the backfield. Gus at Auburn used to get really creative with his guys. Um, he'd have that fullback, that kind of like tweener position where you could use some misdirection with that, but then they would give you know tight ends and, and running backs – um, yeah, flat routes and bubbles out of the backfield off of the RPO game. So I think getting multiple guys on the field involved at the same time, instead of, you know, who's on the field at this time, you know, we talked about it earlier. We got a lot of guys on the perimeter that can do really, really good things and that are very, very athletic, but getting multiple backs in, um, in those sets, which once again, I think that's where JRP brings our offense to life a little bit because he can bring another dynamic of the run game where you have Bowser, Richardson, and JRP all in the backfield, you don't really know who's getting the ball. Mikey takes a little bit of that dynamic out. However, he brings a different pass dynamic. So, again, 6-1, half dozen the other. But I, to answer your question, I think getting those guys on the field at the same time where you can spread out that, that you know, element a little bit where you really don't know where it's going. Uh, they've gotten creative with that a little bit, and it's worked. I think that would be, uh, be an efficient way to do that. The week may have gotten a little mixed up this week with the storm coming into town. Do you think that had any effect on the game plan? Did they have to cancel practice or, or move things around a little bit this week? Man, I'm so tired of the hurricanes, man. But if there's any <laughs> team in the in the country that can deal with it, it's it's these guys. Um, I don't know. I think so, maybe, right? You don't know the path of the storm, and, and, and it was never going to go over to that way. But I'm sure that they had to shut it down at least a little bit. You never know, you know, how that can, that can play a role. We've had to deal with that already this year, but they're, they're coming off of maybe that helps a little bit with the quarterback thing, right? Maybe that helps as a little bit of a reset. You had to take a day off and people come back and um, maybe because it's a little bit of a weird week, maybe that helps with some of that controversy, excuse me, if you will. So uh, man, I hate the fact that, um, that they had to go through that, but, I, I do feel as if we're a little bit trained to go through that situation, right? With all that's on the line, don't you feel, though, that maybe there's a little bit more pressure on Tulane, right? There was all that talk of game day. They're, they're hosting this game. They haven't hosted a top 25-ranked opponent in 50-plus years, 70 years, well, 70 years, right? Maybe the pressure's on them 
here. They've got a tough road down the you know, line, you know, down the road here with SMU and Cincinnati. This is an important game for them. I wouldn't disagree at all. I think that's a great point to make, right? And I think, um, yeah, I'd love to have them at home. I'd love to have the bounce house going in that environment. But at the same token, uh, I kind of like that it's an away game. Uh, we've had our struggles, quote unquote, uh, on the away, but we, we've kind of got that rhythm a little bit. We've been on the road in some tough environments this year already last week, you know, so you kind of keep that going. It's almost uh, second nature to them now. Yeah, not to say anything bad about Tulane, but it's really hard. I mean, it's it's a hard environment for them to get going anyway. I, I do think that it's it's the, the pressure is going to be on them to win this ballgame, right? We're coming into this game. It's been a long time since we've been a road dog to Tulane. Um, and it's been a long time since they've been in this driver's seat, right? And we, we it's hard to sort of manage that when you're a team. And we saw that with, with Memphis. We saw that with Cincinnati, right? And, and uh, you know, you're able to put some pressure on some teams. I think UCF has the, the, the ability. They've got the guys. They've got the Joes to put some pressure on these guys. And um, I really think the pressure's on Tulane. I don't think it, by any means we should be an underdog in this game. Home, away, we could play on the moon. I don't think we should be an underdog. Uh, maybe that's my optimism, Sam, but uh, it's going to be really hard for them to create an environment that's going to be put pressure on UCF in this in this regard. And I'll tell you this much, having played at Tulane, uh, not wasn't a top 25 matchup at the time, I really hope that they can bring some energy because it's the kind of place where uh, it can get pretty dull in there. And so I kind of hope that they fill it up. I kind of hope that it, they can bring some juice because uh, I think that only helps us at the end of the day, to be honest with you. You know, Nick, the Sons of UCF, they bring people together. And one of the newest additions to the Sons family is a guy you know, Andy Barch, uh, at UCFXOS <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I bring him in now to join us. He's doing the film breakdown for us on a new show on the Sons of UCF. Andy, Nick, hello again. Guys, how are you? Howdy, Andy. What's up, man? Fill hey. everybody in. How do you guys know one another? Oh, I mean, long story short, um, so I'm – good buddies with Nick's older brother from college. Um, and in between coaching stops after Haggerty, I was moving on looking for the next position. I was kind of in between two schools and, uh, and then Nick's older brother, uh, he was, you know, letting me know, Hey, my brother is a really, really good quarterback. He's up and coming junior right now, rising junior. And, uh, he got me over at Dr. Phillips started spring ball there. And, you know, I had zero to do with any of the success there. I was just lucky to be hitching my wagon to that ship. And that was a, very, very successful team, um, very successful run, and it was just a uh, you know amazing to get to be a part of the program. No doubt. What's that? It was a good year to jump on a DP for sure. Oh, exactly. Year. We had eighteen DU on commits. It was a good, it's a good year. Exactly. That's cross paths the first, and we've uh, we've kept in touch since. Yeah, and uh, you know, most recently, like two years ago, we ran into each other in the OR of a of a, a surgery suite. We were both. Uh, past life both in the medical equipment space so it's just been funny like that but no uh you know it's that that's kind of a long story short like i said i have zero zero to do with any of their success it was nikki it was all those guys and they were just they were unbelievable you see nick what's going to happen now is we're going to say goodbye to you and andy's going to help us break down film of your playing days so you could you could continue to watch. We'll, we'll break down all of your greatest plays. Oh, Nick, you said, there we go. Uh, Nick, Patty, we thank you for joining us again on Sons of UCF Live, and uh, hopefully we got a good game in New Orleans on Saturday. Absolutely. 
Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. See y'all soon. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. All right. Good. Happy coincidence there, Andy. Andy okay. Barch at UCF XOS out now with another show on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel, Breaking Down Film. You and Adam are doing a great job with that. Are you enjoying your time with us? I'm loving it. Um, you know, it, it's otherwise, if it, if it wasn't for you guys, I would just be kind of talking into the void, uh, tweeting into the abyss. And that that's, you know, coincidentally, obviously, how you found me kind of was just, <laughs> you know, I was just kind of putting out clips, putting out plays. I didn't know who the audience was at that point. I was just like, you know, here's what I see. Here's what I like. Um, and that that's when we started talking of just kind of, hey, you know what? I like this. I like this. And then eventually it was kind of the question of, you know, what do you think about doing a video? What do you think about kind of creating a more longer form um, content? So, yeah, it, it's been a great few weeks doing this. So it's been awesome. Well, to give folks a preview or if they haven't seen it yet on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel, Adam, how do you guys do this? Breaking down a play. Yeah, we we something like this, Trace. I'm actually going to throw a play up now. This is uh, one play that we did not get to this week. So uh, let's hope technology is my friend on this one. A lot of things <laughs> happening here. But uh, for those who haven't seen it, so typically what Andy and I do is uh, we, uh, we we grab a play and, and Andy kind of breaks down a little bit about what, uh, you know, what he sees pre-snap and what happens on this play here. In this case, he's actually been nice enough to draw some arrows for those of us who uh, need visual aids here. So, uh, Andy, this is a play I know you want to highlight this week. This is the the big RJ Harvey run. Uh, there's yep. a lot of arrows and circles on the screen here. I know very little about what those mean. Maybe you can share for the rest of us what the heck you're looking at here. Yeah. So um, we're looking at pre-snap. We, you know, we're, we're looking at on defensively, they got too high. Uh, the one arrow you're pointing back towards the middle of the field, he would be your middle post safety. That down arrow right down the short hash, he's going to be your roll down safety. So it's kind of a rip call. He's going to be playing the outside, the D alley. He's filling out the D alley. So where I put the D end, he has the C. That interior tackle, he has the A gap. And then that blitzing linebacker, he's the B gap. So we're actually going to be running inside zone, zone left. So everybody's kind of taking their zone step to the left. You're blocking more space than you are a dedicated man right now. Um, so on the front side, we're good. You know, it's three on three. We're we're good up front on the backside is where you're looking at. We actually only have three on the backside, but we're bringing, we're bringing holler on the backside kick. So he handles that backside end for us. And then Memphis is actually doing a little bit of a stunt. So that's where the right guard does a great job of not oversetting. Um, basically the, the reason that he's not completely oversetting is because the, uh, the tackle on the a gap for the other side, he's on the other side of the center. So it's basically now, we're going to work up to his guy, which would actually be the linebacker. So right guard, right tackle. They do a fantastic job comboing up there. Um, tight end also gets in on there. And then really, I mean, we have seven blocking seven. And then this is RJ just, uh, you, you know, making one guy miss. That's the backside safety. And the safety really, I mean, he's coming downhill. He's supposed to be covering the outside gap. And instead he has to overcompensate because the inside backer three right there missed the A gap. So right there, 10, 10 is kind of shooting out. He's the D lineman. He's shooting outwards. And then three should be hard filling. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know why he's climbing over the top like that. So that's more of a bust on their end. Uh, but typically on inside zone, you're going to be pressing it to the forward, to the front side B gap. And then when you see the big cutback lanes, that's usually on the backside A gap where he gets it right here. Um, so it's just kind of exactly the way you draw it up, the way you tell the running backs that they need to press the hole. As soon as the hole starts to wash down and the linebackers start to flow the wrong way, you can cut against the green. Mike, you got all that? Yeah, I mean, I knew all that. You guys, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's elementary stuff for me. Um, yeah. 
So, so when you watch these games, how often are you pausing it and watching the, the play over and over again? Does it take you 10 hours to watch the game or you just watch it live and then go back and do all the film work? When I watch it live, I'll, I'll usually just take a mental note. Um, I, I'm never rewinding it just because, you know, I have like the Hulu TV now too. So that's always a nightmare trying to rewind it live. Uh, but I but I will watch the replay as soon as that gets posted on, you know, YouTube or ESPN or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, usually just mental notes. Honestly, a lot of the time I feel like once you kind of know what you're looking for, Raphael, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a quiz later, Raphael. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you kind of know what you're looking for and you kind of know what the play is, um, you can generally tell, you know, once the play busts like that straight up the middle, you know that he's probably pressing out on the backside A gap uh, just because it's a zone play and that's usually where that flow was going to come from. Um, yeah. Mike was screaming at <laughs> Well, Andy, we found a couple of people. If you can't do the show one week, we'll get Raphael in there, and he'll, yeah. he'll draw all over the uh, all over the play. This might be a better question. How many shoes do you own, Andy? <laughs> you know what's the sick part is? Is that's my reserves. That's like the ones I don't really wear. So like I have like a whole like row of Jordans, and I have <laughs> I have like dress shoes. And that's yeah, it's a problem. I'll be honest. How many feet do you have? We <laughs> got <laughs> feet. Uh, is this a, by the way, is this a Citronaut shirt? Are you part of the agenda? Oh, this is Space U. So. Space U. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you, you, are, are you part of the agenda though? Are you, are you a Citronaut guy or are you a night guy? I'm, I'm learning about the agenda. Oh, overall, I would say I'm a, I'm a Citronaut guy. Just oh boy. The, uh, oh boy. It's, we've been infiltrated. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Andy Bart, you can follow him at UCFXOS. And of course, uh, that's on Twitter. Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Go on there right now. Great breakdown of the, uh, the win over Memphis and, and some preview of the uh, game Saturday at Tulane. Andy, we, uh, we'd love to have you on here on Sunday. Thank Tuesday you so live. much. Yeah, we go a lot slower on the actual full breakdown when we have more time, and I can kind of explain a little bit more. But that's uh, thank you guys so much for having me on, and I really appreciate it. All right. Welcome thank to you, the Andy. Suns family, Andy. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Go clean up those shoes. <laughs> I didn't. I thought maybe we needed Nan, Andy to add to the show. I didn't know that Mike could do these sorts of play breakdowns, and we could have been doing this kind of yeah, show. Yeah, this whole time around. we actually missed out on a whole <laughs> content stream with UCF Mike's play breakdowns. That's basic stuff. You fill the A hole. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's uh, or gap, uh, as it were. Yeah. Uh, no, Andy's been great. And I love the, the fact that uh, that he and Nick uh, know one another. He had mentioned that to me and I, I mentioned it to Nick. So it was good to, to bring him on here together uh, for a few moments as well. Um, a lot on the line with this one. You know, you get the feeling Tulane, you know, they certainly everybody controls their destiny at this point. Uh, these teams that are in the finals of it. Uh, but Tulane wins. You got to think they host the AAC championship game on December 3. It doesn't put UCF out of it, but you like where UCF is with that tiebreaker over uh, Cincinnati and a New Year's Six Bowl on the line. It's uh, Yahoo says UCF Penn State in the cotton. Most others on the bowl projections think UCF loses this game. And then that throws them into military bowl, Fenway bowl, uh, you know, all these other sorts of bowls. So there's, there's a lot on the line here. Yeah. Again, I, I, I go back to August. I know we were all circling the calendar and saying UCF Tulane is going to be for the conference. Right. So I think we're all, well, you know, luckily that came true for all of us, but yeah, this is UCF has an opportunity, right? We have an opportunity. We control our destiny. You know, we go into a, a, a tough place to, to play essentially on the road where we have not been strong and everything's in front of us. And, 
you know, you can't ask for more as a team. Again, every other year, the last three seasons, I feel like we've been doing this, you know, this quadratic equation of how we can break into the championship game. It's all laid out in front of us, right? It, it really all boils down to Saturday at uh, 3.30 when the, when the whistle blows, what are we going to do? Um, and uh, you, you have to, that's what you, that's what you play for, right? That's what you want. So let's see what we're made of once that happens. But I mean, we're in a spot where I think we, we, at the beginning of the year, we would have said we want to be here right now Well, we're here. So let's see what happens next. Well, let's get to know a little bit more about the green wave ahead of Saturday's game. Bring in Maddie Hudak, side I am reporter on the uh, radio broadcast crew. Maddie, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Learned a lot in five minutes when I hopped on earlier. So last guy was. We'll go to you now on film study. Can you start breaking down uh, plays for us? Uh, what's the excitement level like? I, I will say also that UCF tight end Alec Holler earlier this week said that when UCF beat Tulane last year, that they saw in Tulane a team that would really have a good year. What's the enthusiasm like? Is, is there surprise over this start? It depends on who you ask. I mean, the players since spring camp have been preaching about the conference championship. And on its face, you look at a team that won two games last year, and you think that sounds somewhat insane. But credit to that, uh, I believe you said tight end who said that last year. Because I think if you played Tulane last year, especially in the second stretch of that year when the defense really got it together more and just the offense was kind of broken and had a a quite literally broken quarterback going. But UCF, that was a four-point loss. they managed to hang with Cincinnati with their third string quarterback with a broken finger uh, on like the third play of the game. So I saw this turnaround more so by the fact that almost everyone stayed. I think that's, you know, in a year where the transfer portal and NIL and conference realignment, there's so much in flux for every, almost every one of these starters to be the exact same as last year. I, I think that's really a testament to this program and it should make kind of this less surprising uh, to what you're seeing now, but just in Tulane history in general, this is really rare. Maddie, what's the feeling like for this game? I know there was maybe some hope college game day would show up. They obviously elected not to. I saw Tulane put out a, a really nice little mock video of a, of a college game day experience. What's the what's the fan reaction look like? What are you expecting in terms of a, of a crowd on Saturday? I still expect there to be a really big crowd. I think, you know, coming to Memphis, they saw a completely different experience at Yeoman Stadium than they've really ever been able to see since this, this uh, stadium was built, I believe, in 2014. Um, yeah, the college game day thing was just kind of okay sure let's go to texas yet again but the mantra for the Tulane team this year and their excitement it's always been very very tempered and they keep preaching this one and oh mantra that i don't know if it's totally understood fully and it's really that week four southern miss loss where they know they came in kind of high high on their horse after kansas state and they weren't really prepared for a team with the head coach that was the developer of michael pratt and you really just saw that kind of be the difference maker. But ever since then, they've really shut out all the noise. So as you know, annoying as it was and as much of a snub as it was for, I think, a great story and a really interesting end to this conference, um, the way that they've kind of just focused on each game in front of them, I tend to think anything that might be a distraction, then, the, then if it's not there, then that's better. We know the big names in Tulane. We know Michael Pratt. We know Tajay Spears. We know Watts. We know the defense has played well this year. But a lot of times in big games like this, it comes down to special teams. How has the special teams been this year? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? What do we need to watch out for? So, you know, if you lose Ryan Wright, who was one of the more mesmerizing people I've watched live at, at Punter, who's now really killing it on the Minnesota Vikings, and his ability to cough and corner almost every punt was just astonishing. And I think had a lot to do with those close games last year. But Casey Glover, who stepped in for him, uh, he's our place kicker. 
I believe he kicked four, four onside kicks successfully last year. And he's done a pretty good job at puncher. Uh, we haven't really had any returns in that aspect, but they really pay attention to the gunners and, and those types of things every week in practice. There's so much kind of attention played to that detail on special teams and really saw it in Memphis where Jaquan Jackson finally returned to punt for a touchdown and they fumbled, uh, they recovered a fumble by Memphis and, and picked that up and returned that for a touchdown. So it's definitely an element to the game. I, for one, wasn't expecting Nick Anderson to convert a fake punt against Tulsa last week. So they brought in a new special teams coach and they really kind of paid attention to those small things that I, like I said, I wasn't expecting that trick play. I don't know really what to expect moving in, but I'd say it's not the the biggest star of the show, but it's a really solid unit. And with our kicker back, Valentino Ambrosio, there's really just this stillness and ability to kind of be more confident about kicking 30 to 40 yard field goals, which really hasn't been the case since, you know, the last two years. What does quarterback Michael Pratt do well? How can he beat you? He can beat you in pretty much any way, which is kind of the scary part. And I think they've also done a good job of not really showing their cards as the season went on. You saw them kind of use our, you know, it's, it's him as well, but the game plan against Kansas state was really for him to use his legs back there. And it didn't really open up until the fourth quarter. But I think where you see Michael Pratt really come in there is he's really smart and he's not ever trying to be the hero or force things that aren't there. He went three weeks without throwing an interception, but even after he throws one, like the game last week, they came out after halftime and he threw a 20 yard touchdown to Shea Wyatt. So his mental toughness is just so, so strong to me, but I just think, you know, when you have a dual threat quarterback, which you guys do as well, um, I guess, you know, depending on who's starting, but especially one that's not just kind of looking to escape, he's really looking to pass first. He's improved his completion percentage by about 10% since last year. And that's really hard to do. And that's not, you know, all down to him. It's just the offense is just working so much better, but his quarterback sneak last week, for example, he went over Rashad Green on a right tackle. He just saw something and went for it. And a lot of the keeps he had last week were just him seeing an opening and going for it. And it was so smooth that sometimes our guys in the press box hadn't even realized he handed it off. So it is a little scary because he's shown that he can beat you in the air, like against ECU. He's shown that he can beat you with his legs. And he started rolling out of the pocket more against Tulsa. So I, for one, am also curious to kind of see how they attack this week. I think that there will be more of an emphasis on the passing game. Matty, obviously a lot of talk on the offense with uh, the players Mike mentioned, but the Tulane's defense has actually been pretty solid this year as well. What is the strength of this defense? What are the things that they do really well? Almost everything. I, just, again, the turnaround from last year where they were one of the worst pass defenses in the country, and there was a quote really for a tad about midway through last year where he said he didn't know if the guys knew if they were on offense or defense, and that's kind of alarming to say about your team at that point. But this turnaround that they've had to be – Playing so much zone defense as well, which they were really bad at last year, it's all about these third quarter shutouts, really making those adjustments and just keeping plays in front of them, not getting too panicky, overreactive. Um, you know, they've had one or two shaky games, but up until I think the Houston game, uh, the defense was the one kind of carrying this team with four fourth down stops against Kansas State. And there were several of those by second and third string guys, you know, the secondary for losing Jaden Kennedy for the season at cornerback in the Memphis game. Jarius Monroe, who ended that game with an interception, steps up and was the second, you know, leading tackler tied behind Nick Anderson and Dorian Williams, who I would say are the strength of our defense and probably one of the best linebacking tandems in college football right now. But for losing so many players at so many positions, like Adonis Freelu on the defensive line heading into this year and about 30 pounds of his size, 
it's just their really ability to play complimentary football with one another and just keep giving different looks every single week using the secondary in a lot more disguised ways and just the mental processing I think by the secondary to come down and stop the runs move guys like Macon Clark from safety down to nickel this year and see how much he's excelled at it they really are just kind of on all three levels of the field a really solid angry wave defense I'd say coach Willie Fritz has done a great job turning this team around is anybody scared now that maybe you guys are playing too well and then teams are going to come after him and he may be gone after this year? I mean, that's the talk that keeps getting talked around. And again, if you ask a player any question, then that's not have to do with the next week in front of them and a coach for that matter, they will just respond with one and Oh, and it can seem a little annoying, but I just don't think that's on any of their minds right now. This is really, you know, the, the final stretch that I'm not sure even though they're preaching conference championship. And like you guys were saying, I think between Cincinnati, UCF and Tulane, these next few games are really just deciding who's going to take control of their destiny this season. And it's such a small stretch. There's so little thin uh, margin, thin error left that, you know, if Tulane loses to UCF, they have to win out. And then there's a strong chance they're going to Florida for that conference championship game because you guys have the tiebreaker over Cincinnati. So with all of that going on right now, yeah, I think, you know, coaches can get poached at any time. And I, I don't know if there's any reason one way or another to see it. But I think he certainly, if he wanted to make a jump to a much higher place, given himself a name for that. But I also think there's something to be said about him wanting to just really build this program here. And I don't think he feels that that's done yet. And even though they've accomplished so much this year, going two and 10 last year really shook them from, you know, the staff to the players and did all these years of consistent progress really mean something or is this kind of the rule and not the exception and I think you're showing them prove everyone wrong in that aspect but I don't think that they're really done yet with this story a lot of UCF fans go into this one Maddie what's your go-to place a bar or a restaurant that you recommend fans try uh well I mean the boot is right around the corner uh it's really hard to say that you shouldn't go and just see what that's like but honestly anything down Maple Street Bruno's Tavern is there as well there's so much stuff around campus to really enjoy and and bunch of different cuisines but tailgating you know I missed my I was I was a Tulane alumni so you know they built Yeoman my junior year and I was abroad so I only went one year and it really is a fun atmosphere around New Orleans but recommend the boot I recommend the palms it's right there and then really just anything on on that Maple Street which is a couple blocks up there you can really find just a lot uptown if you want a daiquiri. You can walk down to Carrollton, and there's a daiquiri shop over there, along with Cooter Browns, which has good bar food. So, I mean, honestly, if you Google whatever you're wanting to have in your phone in that area, it's probably, you know, a five-minute walk one way or the other. Camellia Grill is also really good, and it's right down there as well. All right, Maddie, maybe we'll talk again uh, with you here in a couple of weeks with the AAC Championship game in New Orleans, maybe in Orlando. We'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Matty Hudak covers the uh, Tulane Green Wave, sideline reporter on the radio broadcast. Thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Thanks for having me. And I am kind of hoping that it's Tulane and UCF battling this out in the end because Cincinnati got enough last year. So good luck to you We're guys. We're in agreement on that, health, right? I like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that, yes. Matty, you have a score prediction? Oh, man. Uh, 27 to 14 Tulane. And I just really wow. out of nowhere. 14. Yeah. Yikes. 14. <laughs> Well, all right. She's watched, she's watched her. That was really a thoughtless score prediction, just to be honest. But I think that 
both teams have a, a decent defense that it would be surprising if this game got out of hand in the way Houston and SMU just decided to play basketball the other week. So Nobody can get out I of hand. I do think this like might Houston. be a low-scoring game one way or the other. That's fair. By comparison, anything's going to be a low-scoring game. Maddie, thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Maddie. Thank All right, 27-14 says Maddie. Adam, what says you? I have 31-28 nights. Ooh. So a higher scoring, Mike. Give me 38. Wow. 17. UCF. I think we blow them out. Uh, 27-23 UCF. 27-23. So a lot on the line. Uh, should be a good one. Let's go around the kingdom. Uh, I love the play-by-play, uh, -play, Adam, that you guys were doing during the podcast this week, uh, going on same time as men's basketball. <laughs> and what's funny is you stop at a certain point, you know, that they're, they're down 16-7. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you, you had, it would have had to be a, a much longer show. You'd have to start full, later. Full like, transparency. If you listen to our podcast, probably the last hour is like a super distracted Adam and Mike who are watching the game <laughs> and neither one of us are looking at each other or, or figuring out when the ones are talking. So a very distracted uh, Sons of UCF this week, but a nice, uh, at least a, a nice distracting opening game into overtime. Obviously would have liked the win at that one, Trace, but uh, still a nice, a nice surprise for, for week one, for, for game one. Yeah, 98-95 UNC Asheville. First opening loss for head coach Johnny Dawkins as a Knight uh, and his home opener. And uh, Taylor Hendricks, how about this kid? He is just great to watch. And he's gonna you're going to see him develop over the course of the season. 23 points. CJ yeah. Kelly out of nowhere with 20. Brandon nowhere. Suggs with 16. Well, I mean, Trace, they're all out of nowhere. Yeah, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know who this team is. But I, I love what Hendricks provided. A lot of energy, a lot of spark. I could I could do without him taking that shot so early in the uh, in the game clock there at the end. But freshman mistake. If he's the future of UCF basketball, I feel like we're in pretty good hands. Hendricks looked good. It was just a disappointing ending to that game. We take a 10-point lead there late and can't hang on. That's something that's kind of bothered me the last couple seasons and didn't get fixed in week one, day one. Well, we didn't know until the game uh, tipped off that uh, Darius Johnson would be out with an injury, and I asked Coach Dawkins about that after the game. Uh, Darius, Darius is still, I mean, he's injured. I mean, he's going to be out, you know, for a little while. You know, he, he has a lower leg injury. He's going to be out for a little while. He, he is going to be back, and, uh, you know, and it, you know, definitely be back, you know, before we play conference play. Uh, but we'll see what his status is. It's just how, you know, how he feels as he continues to rehab and get stronger. But uh, it was just a free play that happened that uh that set him back nothing no one could do with basketball you know people run into each other all the time and sometimes they don't come out as well as you would like so but i know one thing you know he's going to work hard and come back as fast as he can because that's where he is before conference play conference play starts in late december it could be a while uh without him cj walker i spoke with him at media day he's hopeful that he'll be back for the florida state game on friday no uh certainty of that time free him out also uh, nights to play the Seminoles, 7 o'clock Friday. Now that all the storms have passed, that's a go. Our buddy Eric Lopez on the call for this one on the uh, the broadcast. And then Monday, they're right back at it with Western Illinois. Uh, we've been good to have some future articles uh, written uh, on twonightsmedia.com. And uh, my buddy John Weiss has uh, got a preview up of the Florida State game, so check out the website. Uh, they're going to have to slog through with some injuries, though, Adam. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the 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 DJ injury is not great. Obviously, CJ's coming back. Uh, Ty Freeman sounds like has a head injury. We don't know when he's coming back as well. Uh, 
I, I just, man, this is so tough because it feels like Johnny's been snake bitten with injuries year over year. We always say, well, if we only had Taco and BJ together, well, if Aubrey wasn't hurt those two seasons, just feels like we've been snake bitten time and time again. I, I'd love to see us just be able to put it all together on the court. Look, it's basketball. If anybody here played basketball, you get a rebound, you come down, you step on somebody's ankle, you're out six weeks. Like that's just how that works. But I'd love to figure out a way for us to put all that stuff together. Uh, women's basketball off to a good start. 40-point win over Winthrop City of Messers debut. That's a winner. Uh, their game Thursday tonight against Mercer postponed or canceled, actually, because of this uh, hurricane. Up next Tuesday, uh, November 15th at Campbell at 7 o'clock. Volleyball, they uh, swept the cows uh, in Tampa on Wednesday night. 22-1 and overall, 14-1 in the AAC. They're 24th ranked. A uh, couple of more on I-4 points they uh, they collected. Now leading that 18-6. to uh, McKenna Melville also Stand out again, second consecutive AAC Offensive Player of the Week. They play Cincinnati on Sunday. Women's soccer, you can catch the interviews on our Sons of UCF YouTube channel. They're going to the big dance, eighth seed against ninth seeded North Carolina State. I'm sorry, UCF's ninth seeded. Yeah, that's right. Ninth seeded UCF at eighth seeded North Carolina State. That's at noon on uh, Sunday. Good luck to the, uh, the ladies up in North Carolina. And softball. 16th ranked recruiting class going into the Big 12. So Coach Cindy Ball Malone continues to build on the success of the softball program. All right, time to open up the newly renamed Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF Mailbag. How long are we going to do this bit? A couple of weeks? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep with this bit? Look, I already loaded the sounds in here. I already did the graphics. I'm not changing anything. It's that go. time again. Let's open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF Mailbag. <laughs> I got to delete that stuff. I have no time for that. You're, you're stuck forever, Brian. Uh, you're stuck there. Uh, we'll begin with Ed Ethan of 126. His question is, Brian W. what is Brian W. Peterson's question? He feels like that Brian's question gets a chance of being asked if asked by somebody else. Thank you for that snark, uh, Ethan. Brian, with two questions, though, this week. Uh, two? Uh, two, two, I know. Two lane to you send out a great quarterback. You after a guy, he takes advantage. <laughs> yeah. Two lane said to have a great quarterback in Michael Pratt. Am I missing something here? JRP has better stats. Uh, Pratt's a pretty good quarterback. And if you give him time, we haven't really talked a whole lot about that. Nick was saying on the back end on the defense, but they got to get pressure on him. You saw what happened when Holt Naylor stood there uh, at ECU a couple of weeks ago, 30 or 36, and they didn't really get a whole lot of pressure on Seth Hennigan either. Yeah, I think Pratt's a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, look, if you want to do the stat game, obviously JRP's had a couple of games, you know, uh, FAU Temple, where we we racked up some some yards there. I don't know if that's a great comparison, but Pratt's a solid quarterback. He's 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 going to be a, a tough competitor. I mean, again, you know, obviously Holt Nailers is you know six thousand years old, but I think I think Pratt's a younger version of that. He can scramble, he can use his legs, he can throw a little bit. So he's going to be a tough uh, a tough QB to play on Saturday. Mike, uh, happy or sad game day didn't choose New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I know people make a big deal of this. Like it has an actual effect on the game. I don't think it really affects the game much. Uh, once it's kicked off and once somebody's getting tackled, you forget about that. There was a pregame show six hours before that. So I don't think it's a big deal. Got a couple of video questions this week. Good to meet uh, our first one at Ryan Minks three in Memphis. He goes by Santa night. Uh, you always see him don in his Santa UCF hat. Let's hear his question. Hey guys, UCF's resident Santa night here. My question this week, which is more disappointing? Our defensive play, the 64-yard missed field goal opportunity by Colton Boomer, or the interception by Mikey Keene? Uh, disappointing. I think the 
the field goal was just just baffling, which we've Silly now got is. an explanation that apparently we weren't supposed to snap that. For some reason, we thought that you know Memphis would jump off sides when we did a sixty-four yarder. Uh, disappointing is the defense. I think again, we we you know yeah. we've seen them play uh, much better than they mm-hmm. did. Obviously, bend don't break has been kind of the, the phrase at some point that comes back to bite you. I would have loved to have seen a better defensive performance. So I guess d- disappointing. I'll go defense. I'm disappointed that people are already into Christmas season. This guy calls himself Santa night. What happened to Thanksgiving? We still have Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. That's the best holiday. This is his bit though. Year round. I think so all year. It's, he not, just, it's not just seasonal. <laughs> I right. think it's seasonal. Uh, <laughs> second video question. Our buddy, Robert, two letters, two words, an exclusive. Oh, Hey boys, two letters, two words here with a question. You know, I'm getting ready for my Wednesday night poker game. And at a poker table, you're always looking for the weakest player to try to take all their money. And it had me thinking about our bowl opponent. If you had to choose, would you rather play a bowl opponent that is a well-known name, but maybe not as good in the year that we play them, or would you rather have us play the toughest team out there, even if they're not a big name, and try to get the win? Interested to hear what you have to say. Go Knights. Charge on. Always play the best opponent you can. It depends on who it is, though. I mean, there are some in-state rivals, Trace, that even if they're a down year and you, and you beat them, it gives you a little cachet. So it depends on who it is. I do agree with you, but there's a couple schools. If you tell me you could play Miami, Florida, Florida State, even if they're on a mediocre trend, I think that might be better for you. So you'd rather play Florida State in the Gasparilla Bowl than Penn State in the Cotton Bowl? Well, no. I mean, I, I feel like that. I, New Year's six was off the table in this configuration. Unless okay. I, Robert was shuffling cards. I got confused, but it, as long as we're out of like the New Year's six race and then it's like every other bowl out there, if we have a chance to play an in-state rival that we can, uh, we can pound, I'd rather take that. If you're talking about biggest name, I'm talking about Bama and maybe Bama is in a down year. They've lost two games. They should have four losses. Down year. They should have <laughs> lost the Texas game. They should have lost the Texas, uh, the A&M game. They're not as good this year, and if you beat them, hey, we're 2-0 and against them, and we have that to, to brag about for the next 20 years. And a third video question. Most unusual one we've got. Let me just tell you right now, before I play this video, Trace, uh, I'm, I'm declaring it right now, the best video question we have ever received. At UCF underscore Jeb Shred. It's like 45 degree air and low 50s water. All right, so let's go ahead and get to my question and do my walk and talk. My question is this, how important is it that we win convincingly? Look, this man did his own graphics. He did his own music. He saved me like hours of time putting that together. I don't know what the question is. That's just the best video question of all time. Do we need to win convincingly? How important is it to win convincingly? Just win, baby. I don't care how convincing. Yeah, I do think, look, I, I, if we beat Tulane 38 nothing, which I, I don't know that we all think that's going to happen, but I'm curious to where we would fall from a ranking standpoint at that point. But I also have zero faith in the people who, uh, you know, who make these decisions. I do think it'd be great for the brand, though, a nice convincing win this year kind of continues UCR forward. But I don't think if we win 45 nothing, I, I, we're not we're not moving up any further just because the uh, the egg had to do the polls. No, if we win by one point is all that matters. 
you have to win the conference to make the New Year's Six game. What about, I got a question about Liberty. Liberty is an independent team. Right now, they're ranked pretty high. They only have that one loss, but they wouldn't be a conference champion. Are they not eligible for the New Year's Six? I don't believe Let's so. Let's get the research department on yeah. that. Jeb, by the way, up in Massachusetts, surfing in 45-degree water. Uh, like they had a wetsuit on. I mean, come on. Still, still. Uh, at Jacob, RCF, what's going to be more vital this game, containing Pratt through sacks, tackles for loss, or DBs playing better than we've seen so far, mini minimizing the vertical game for Pratt? I'm always big on get pressure. Get, get pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, if you can get pressure on the quarterback, obviously you force him to make decisions maybe quicker than he needs to, bad throws, bad reads. So if we can get pressure, that's fantastic. Our secondary, though, needs to get a little bit tighter in coverage, just a little bit. Um, Mike, at Lonely B UCF, I'll censor this one. What the F happened to our defense? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. And it's something I've been asking myself this week, too. They were so good and consistent for the first, what, six games, seven games, last couple of weeks. The bend don't break has broken a couple of times. Maybe they get back on track this week. Uh, Joyce at Rejoice Night. Two different quarterbacks to choose from. Which has the better skill set to defeat Tulane? That's interesting. Yeah, maybe a better question for Andy when he was on. I, I think I've, I've heard this week from other pundits that Tulane has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks, which obviously would lean heavily towards John Rice Pumley. I don't have any evidence to, to confirm that, but perhaps Andy still in the chat, he can, uh, he can share that information. And Mike yeah. at Greg seven thirty. Would it be good thing to use both quarterbacks? I mean, right? If you have two quarterbacks, do you have one? But you could see where you could use both of them. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like taking Mikey out of his rhythm. Um, no, I, I would say no to it. At M underscore M and UCF. How's recruiting going? I got to tell you, not as focused on that. We need a we need a good recruiting expert. Uh, yeah, we don't Andy, have any of that. I, I, I do know this. I do know this. I, it feel like what we're waiting on is maybe a couple of guys to flip. So I don't know how active we are. I think there's a couple of guys we're hoping to flip. I think there's some rumors some guys are considering flipping, may flip. So I think that's that's where y'all we're in the uh, the flipper flop stage. Uh, Mike at Dolly underscore drama. I wanted to know about that uh, party that you had at the den. How was it watching a game live with Wild Bill, JP Gilbert, and uh, Jackie underscore XO? It was awesome. I had a great time. Some great people. We had a uh, very fun time. I, I think all of them had a good time. Um, I want to do it again. I'm doing it again this week. I I, uh, I know Jackie's going to be there too. She, we talked to her today. I'm not sure about JP and Brian. You know, I, I, I mentioned I wanted to go up to Palm Beach, but uh, Paul Jones told me to stay down in Broward, so that's what I'm going to do. At uh, UCF XOS, Andy, favorite, least favorite AAC opponents will be leaving behind. Is that from a quality of play standpoint? I, I know that the games with Navy, especially going to Navy, was a really unique uh, atmosphere. So from that perspective, not their gameplay. Hate playing them, but just that venue was tremendous. And everybody's got to say Tulsa, right? Or you don't want to ever go again? Those are the correct answers. <laughs> Mike? I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, favorite? That's about the time. Favorite, at show. Least favorite I mean, AC we're about 51, 52 good minutes, maybe. <laughs> this is where I get lost in the comments. Um, my favorite AAC <laughs> opponent? That's fair. I, I don't have one. I, I hate all these teams equally, especially when they're if they beat us. At underscore all night underscore. Not looking forward to anything, but if you could choose any team in the top 15 to play in the Cotton Bowl, who would it be and why? That's not on my sheet, Trace. Um, give me. Give me Alabama. 
Yeah, we want Bama. I want Bama. I'm good with Penn State. My sister went to Penn State. Would love some bragging rights there. At Lil Joey Joe 49. <laughs> Will Gus try some of the local New Orleans cuisine, or is he going to dine at a Mexican chain restaurant? Boy, does that guy not like the foodie questions, Brandon Helwig? Zing Look, I can't wait for Brandon Helwig's feature, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dungeon, <laughs> like when he comes out with this food blog <laughs> in the summer, because God love you, Brandon. I appreciate you for going in every time. Here's what you need to do next time, though. Bring Gus some actual food and have him try it live at the podium. What's up the ante oh, here? Goodness. We're talking about a guy that goes to the Waffle House regularly. I mean, I don't know if his food taste is uh, you know, that great. When he uh, walked off the uh, stage Monday uh, and we were getting ready for the players to go up, I said to him, I go, get ready. You're getting the crab cake question next week when I'm playing Navy. And he just laughed at me. I said, just be ready. You're going to get that question. And Broward, you see up this one for you, Adam. Will Adam be committing to going to the Jacksonville watch party, watch party for the game Saturday? You know what? I just messaged uh, my, uh, my my folks over there to figure out what the scene looks like. My concern is just mojo. I have never been there before. I don't want to ruin any sort of uh, uh, trip we have going on here. So I also, I mean, I'm not I'm not very friendly, so I don't know what to do. There's a first time for everything, buddy. You got to get out there, meet right? the people. The people want to meet you. The watch parties want to meet you. The watch parties Me? are a lot uh, of fun. I I know the ones down here in Broward are a lot of fun. That's why I'm going back again for the third time this season. Go check out that. Yours appears to be at a really cool place with the DJ, nice little seating and whatnot. Mine is at Buffalo Wild Wings. So it's a bit of a difference there. That's all I'm saying. Adam, people want to meet you. Every time I'm somewhere, they say, hey, is Mike here? And then I say no, and they go, is Adam here? Mike's first. So, you know what, you know what, Trace? That's going to bring me. You know, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Mike's a loser. <laughs> Get to break in my new sounder. My new sounder. That seems a little harsh. Chris bullying me. Now, we yeah. reached a detente. We are <laughs> kumbaya at, at peace. You said uh, a word Golden, I didn't understand there. <laughs> at Golden Knight underscore the second change of pace question. Who is the fastest 40 time between Adam, Mike, and Trace? I think the answer is clear. There's some guy in the dungeon, Trace, who <laughs> recently said that he thought that you could beat me and Mike up simultaneously. So you could take on the two of us and win. So clearly there's running, some sort of running or fighting. No, just, a, just in general fighting. There's clearly I'm some sort of mythology about you out there that I'm going to assume that people think you can do this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you, apparently, because you're besting Mike and I in a uh, in a two on one. That didn't sound good, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Adam's always been faster than me. I don't know if I, today, probably still. I know for sure I could beat Trace in a race. There's no way. I choose not to run. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I choose not to run. All right. Well, this has been a good one. It's good to see Nick Patty back. Andy, you got to go and subscribe to the Sons of UCF YouTube channel if you haven't. There's so much good stuff and really catch that breakdown. Adam, you seem to be having a good time with Andy on this. It's been a good addition. And uh, yeah, he makes me feel really like a like moron. Makes me feel like a moron, though, during the show. But no, it, it's great conversation. And I think uh, for me personally, I, I kind of nerd out on these things. There's beauty in the nuance. And when you watch some of the play at the offensive line specifically and how they put things together, uh, we, we watch plays, we yell and scream that somebody missed something and so-and-so. But when you kind of watch and break it down, it does give you a whole new perspective. I wish we could figure out how to do more plays. I wish we had better technology than we could do John Madden telestration type stuff. But it's a great breakdown if you haven't seen it. Again, the Cincinnati game was on YouTube. 
And we did the Memphis game here this week. Also a little bit of a, a Tulane preview. So go to the YouTube channel, check that stuff out again. Big thanks to Andy. He puts all the clips together. You know, he's willing to kind of go on there and put himself out there. Cause here's the deal, Trace. When you do these kind of things, someone's going to call him an idiot at some point and say he's wrong. And he doesn't know schemes and coverages. So I appreciate him for uh, putting himself out there and, and kind of giving us a, a new, new lane of content we can share with everybody out there. I'm sure your daughter's complimentary of him. No sounders that, uh, you know, diminish. No, let me look at let me throw my sounder list. That's a loser. I don't I don't have any. I don't have any of those. She's known Mike her entire life. What kind of comment is that? <laughs> she's known Mike her entire life. That is true, actually. Mike was at her one year old birthday party. That is actually correct. Um yeah, and just Andy, stop calling me before you do these shows. I I don't have to like tell you everything to say on these you know breakdowns. Figure it out for yourself next time. Yeah, and right. again, uh, thanks to Maddie, uh, part of the Tulane radio broadcast crew, for giving us a little bit more on the Green Wave. Everyone traveling to New Orleans by air, by car, be safe in your travels. See you in New Orleans. And uh, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights! Charge on. Last time I forgot this, uh, and so I've, I've got a goodbye, Trace. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is Taylor Hendrickson. Thank you for watching the Sons of UCF. Dude's a natural on camera. Such a good kid. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, Ohio, have you heard the buzz? Slingers Signature Cocktails are the new go-to to go. Slingers are convenient, canned, cocktail-inspired flavored beverages that bring you delicious flavors like Bahama Mama, Peach Screwdriver, and Pineapple Punch with 8% ABV. They pack a punch at a price you can't beat. No time to make fancy cocktails? Don't want to break the bank on a night out? Slingers has you covered. Blast your taste buds, not your wallet. Grab Slingers today. American Fermentation Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly.